on things as far as praise and worship and stuff is concerned. So in the weeks to come, hopefully we'll have that. We won't this morning. But let's just stand up a minute. Let's just take a few moments and praise Him. Get into an attitude of uh, His presence. Father, we just thank You this morning, Father. Father, we thank You for the Teacher. We thank You for the Holy Spirit. We thank You, Father, that we can come together in Your name, Father, in Your Word, Father, in Your Spirit. We thank You, Father, that Your Word says that where two or three are gathered together in Your presence, Father, where two or three are gathered together, You are present, Father. So we thank You, Father, You're not only present here today, You're here present for a purpose, Father. We thank You, Father, for great grace that's already been poured out, Father, for blessing, Father, for the blessing, Father, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, Father, and You add no sorrow with it. So, Father, we look to You today, Father, each of us individually, Father, We just put a demand upon Your Word, a demand upon Your Spirit, Father, that we can receive everything that You have for us today, Father. I just thank You, Father, as we minister the Word today, Father, that You would speak through me, Father, that Your people will not only hear what I have to say, but they'll hear more so what You have to say, Father. It may not even be what I teach, Father, but Your Spirit can minister to their hearts, speak to them, Father. I thank You that Your Word says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us, quickening, making alive our mortal bodies, Father God. So we thank You, Father. Healing, healing anointing, Father. The healing presence is already here, Father. We just ask, Father, that we be in a position to receive everything You have for us, Father. To receive Your power, to receive Your glory, to receive Your anointing. More so, Father, to receive Your love, Father. For you've already poured out your love, Father. It's already been shed abroad in our hearts, Father. Let's just worship Him a minute. Oh, roto sepepeperista. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Father, we give you thanks in advance today, Father. Because, Father, we know you've already heard our prayers. You've already heard our requests, Father. And, Father, we know you've already poured out the blessing, Father. The blessing has already been poured out, Father. We thank You, Father, that we're in position to receive today. Receive everything You have for us, Father. And Lord, we receive it by faith, Father. We receive it by faith. You have lavishly poured out and bestowed Your blessings upon us, Father. Oh, thank You, Lord. Yes, we'll do that. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Father. Oh, Rotos, thank You, Lord. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Father God. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Open your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Last week we started talking about, I entitled it, New Realms, A New Realm of Living. And a scripture that we used... Uh, for our text was 2 Corinthians 4.18. Let me read that to you as you're going over to Matthew 11. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary or temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, when we shared that last week, I injected some words into that. It doesn't take anything away from it. I think helps us understand it a little bit better. And worded it this way, and it says, While we look not, notice that, while we look not, at the things which are seen. And I added to that, or perceive with our five physical senses. 
But we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary or subject to change. So as we shared last week, if we can see it, if we can perceive it with our five physical senses, it's subject to change. And how is it subject to change? But by the Word. But really, it's by our faith in the Word. Now, this morning as I was meditating, this scripture over in in, uh, Matthew chapter 11 was quickened unto me. Let me read this to you out of the Amplified, beginning at verse 27. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, out of the Amplified. Jesus says here, All things have been entrusted and delivered to me by my Father, and no one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. To come to him, or come to him, all you that labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, humble, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, and ease and refreshment, recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne. Now, what kind of, a couple of things jumped out at me this morning or really kind of came to me as I was reading this. In verse 27, notice he says here, No one fully knows and accurately understands the Son except the Father, and no one fully knows and accurately understands the Father except the Son and anyone whom the Son deliberately wills to make him known. You know, he's already done that. Well, we have to receive that. But we have a part to play to get to know him. You know, in Acts chapter 17, Paul says, it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Everything's in him. Now, listen to this uh, out of the message paraphrase. Out of the message paraphrase in verses 28 to 30, it says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I like You'll recover your life. I like that. Because you know what? We have new creatures in Christ Jesus. We've been changed. goes on and he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Now listen to this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. But notice that little phrase again. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, Pastor John made a statement this morning in, in uh, corporate prayer, church prayer this morning. In fact, I wrote down what I heard. I don't. This isn't exactly how he said it. This is how I heard it. He said, we're already blessed. We just need to pray that we come under the blessing. Do you know that the healing anointing, the blessing of healing, the grace, a healing grace has already been poured out? We just have to get in position to receive it. I mean, he says, grace, grace, and more grace. It's all done by grace. Everything's by grace. There's a grace for salvation. Get born again. There's a grace to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
There's a grace for healing. There's a grace for financial prosperity. There's a grace of His plan and purpose for your life. But it all, and it all, is, all of that's in the blessing. And it's all received by grace, or really by faith through grace, grace through faith. But we just have to get into position. I was thinking on that this morning, and you know, it, it, it would be like, um, how, how did he share it? You have to get under the spout where the blessing is poured out. And I was thinking, it's like taking a shower. You can turn on the shower, but unless you step into it or step under that shower head where the water's being poured out, you're not going to get wet. But the healing you need's already been poured out. It's already been taken, already been taken care of. Everything you and I need that pertains to life in godliness already been given to us. Oh, glory to God. So, as we said in that first verse we shared with in 2 Corinthians 4, that everything that we can perceive with our five physical senses is subject to change. And think about it. The price has already been paid. Everything has already been done for that to take place as far as God's concerned. That's the Godward side. Now, the question is, are we willing to do what we need to do to get in position to be able to receive everything he's already poured out for us? Now, you wouldn't be here if you weren't ready for that. So the scripture that we were looking at last week was 3 John 2, where John wrote, Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper in thee in health, even as thy soul prospers. I was looking at that this morning, that little phrase, above all things. Paul says, I pray above all things, more than anything else, I pray above all things, what? That you might prosper and be in health. He wants that more than anything else. In fact, this statement came to me last week and I shared it with you, I wrote it down. God knows when you are prosperous and healthy that you're in the best possible shape to obey Him. I mean, when you've got divine health, when every joint, every muscle, every ligament is working exactly the way that he designed it to work, that means we can go wherever we want to go, do whatever we need to do, because physically we're able to do it. And then if we have the prosperity side, which means we have the resources that we need, then we can go wherever he wants us to go and do whatever he wants us to do. And you know what? That's what life is all about. You know, B was sharing with me this morning, she was doing her devotions early this morning, and she was saying, she says, I never realized all the things that Paul went through for the gospel's sake. You know there in Acts, in fact, let's just turn over there a minute, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. Let's just begin at verse 10. Acts chapter 9. Now, remember, the setting is here is Saul. Remember who became Paul. Saul had this Damascus Road experience. Bright light came unto him, and he heard this said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now, I like that. Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus directly. Jesus has already died and gone to heaven. What was Saul doing? Persecuting Christians, or we could say persecuting the body of Christ. You know, when, when you do something to another member of the body of Christ, God takes that personally? <laughs> yeah, he, even you and I, when we do something we shouldn't do, say something we shouldn't say about somebody else in the body. 
He takes that personally. I remember years ago, some of you may, may know the gentleman. Uh, he's been in ministry for years. He'd just come out of Bible school. A gentleman named for, by the name of Jim Caseman. And uh, I can share it because it's on tape. Jim shared it himself at a meeting that I was at. I know Jim quite well. Jim said he'd just come out of Bible school, came out of a, a, a background of uh, alcoholism and so forth, and had a mighty deliverance. And, and uh, him and his wife had had a lot of issues, a lot of uh, things in their life. And, and he remembers that uh, him and his wife had a little argument one day, and he was getting ready to, uh, to go to Russia. And he says, I'll never forget, he said, uh, I was walking down the sidewalk. I'd repented to my wife walking down the sidewalk, getting ready to get into the cab so the cab could take me to the airport. Just as I was getting ready to get into the cab, the Lord said to him, he says, Jim, I've forgiven you, but don't do that again to one of my anointed. And Jim stopped and he says, one of your anointed. And the Lord says, yeah, that's my daughter. He says, she's not only your wife, she's my daughter. But it's all taken care of. He says, I told the cab, you've got to wait just a minute. He says, I had to go back and talk to my wife one more time before we left. And he says, and then she gave me a big hug, he says, after I just told her how much I loved her, how much I appreciated her. And he says, then the second time when I'm walking down the sidewalk, she says to me, Jim, have a safe trip. I trust you, Jim. Now, that doesn't mean much to you, and that doesn't mean much, much to me. But he says, with the wife that I lived, she made the statement, I don't know how many times, I don't trust you anymore. And his conversion took place and a lot of things took place and he started walking with God. But he said, when she made those little words, I love you, Jim, and I trust you, he said, that meant everything to me. God takes it personally. We've got to remember that. Glory to God. But anyway, that's the setting here. And now remember, Jesus then is talking to a gentleman by the name of Ananias. He's a disciple of Christ. He's just a layperson, what we would probably call a nobody, one like you and one like me. Now look at verse 8 here. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. Notice God talked to him through a vision, a layperson. God's not a respecter of persons. That might be how God chooses to talk to you. Now, I assumed probably Ananias must have put himself in a position, probably in a time of prayer or whatever. The Bible really doesn't come out and tell us that. Let's go on in verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prays. Now, remember, Saul had this, or, or now Saul, which really became Paul, had this Damascus Road experience. He was blinded and was uh, uh, immediately converted and said, you know, when the Lord says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, Lord, converted right there on the spot. But now notice here, this Saul, he's praying, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, 
Go thy way. Talking again to Ananias. Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me to hear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now notice verse 16. This is what we want to get to. The Lord talking to Ananias about Saul or Paul. For I will show him how great things. So you really could say what? What great things. Notice, he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, God wasn't talking to him about he was going to have to suffer sickness and disease. No, he's talking about persecution. There will be things that God may call you to and may call me to that will make us uncomfortable. But what was John's prayer? That you and I would prosper and be in health. Notice, as I soul proper. So really what it's saying, to the degree that our mind is renewed to the Word of God is the degree of health and prosperity that we walk in. So that would tell me, and I think it probably would tell you the same thing. I know it does in my life. If I'm not walking where I need to be or where I want to be physically, if I'm not walking where I need to be or where I want to be financially, it must tell me my mind must not be renewed in some areas to the degree that it needs to be. So guess what? It's not God's part then. Whose part is it? It's mine. It's mine. But you know now, if we'll go back to that scripture that we just read in Matthew, what did the Lord Jesus tell us? My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Now, again, look at what it said out of the message paraphrase. It says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So it's by grace. Yeah, there's a part that you're going to have to play. There's a part that I'm going to have to play. It's going to require something of you. It's going to require something of me. I mean, you've already demonstrated that by coming here this morning. It was probably not convenient. It cost you something. It cost you gas. It cost you time. It cost you energy. There's other things you could be doing today. But you came to sit underneath the Word of God, to hear the Word of God. What are you doing? You're getting your mind renewed to the Word is what you're doing today. And the Spirit of God is present, the, the anointing, His anointing. And what is the anointing? It's the burden removal, yoke-destroying power of God. It's present here today to, so you can receive that healing, so you can be in position where the healing power of God is being poured out. But really, we take a look here and we can see even in Paul's life, there was things, he, you know, even in Ananias, as we're seeing here, he said to the Lord, he said, uh, when the Lord told him, there's a man called Paul or Saul waiting for someone to come lay hands upon him that he might receive sight. And Ananias says, yeah, but God, you know, that, that's Saul. You know, that's the guy that's been responsible for, for having Christians be killed. Do you know who you're going to have me lay hands on? I mean, he's got letters from the chief priest saying it's okay to kill Christians. Even though he said that, Ananias says, but Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. He trusted God. See, our acts of obedience sometimes are what will cause us to receive what we need to receive. I mean, you and me included. I've got some issues in my body that are not where they're supposed to be yet. I'm believing God for them, just like you're believing God for them. And there's times when, you know, I'm really focusing on healing scriptures, really focusing, bless God, thank you for your healing power, saying it over and over, confessing it over and over, faith comes by hearing, doing what I need to do, whether it be healing, whether it be prosperity, whatever it may be, 
But, you know, sometimes we get so focused on receiving something or believing that we received what He's provided for us, and yet He may be prompting us to go do something or go talk to someone or some action that will have absolutely nothing to do with what you're believing God for. And because of your disobedience in that area, and it, 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 it may be neglect, not outright disobedience, you're not really saying, oh, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I don't think there's anyone in here that if you knew that you knew that you knew that Lord was telling you to do something, that you, did, you wouldn't do it. You'd do it. The question is, we're not always in position or tuned in enough that we're hearing exactly what he's telling us to do. Or we procrastinate or we hesitate on doing it. Well, I need, you know, have you ever had something you, you just know on the inside, you know, I need to do that. I, I really do need to do that. But I'm, tomorrow I'm going to get that done. But maybe he doesn't want you to wait till tomorrow. Now, there can be the other flip side of that coin, which I have a tendency sometimes to do, and that is I have my little list. You know, and there's a proverb that, that really helps me on this so that I can, you know, qualify this for it. It says, accomplishment is sweet to the soul. So I have my little list where I check things off. And I've done years ago, I began doing that, even when I worked secularly. I would walk in, a lot of times I'd do it in the evening, uh, but I'd walk into work and I'd have my little list, all my little priorities. I've got to get this done and this done and this done and this done. You know, and the more checks I could get off there, I felt better about it. But, you know, there was times, and maybe it was not as high a priority to me, but there was times that I know down on the inside that, that I was being impressed to get the one on the bottom. But I'd ignore that because I didn't think it was as high a priority. But as I look back, I can see when I would yield to that at times and do it, man, things just flowed so much smoother. But you know, sometimes, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. In fact, um, I might have that written down in another translation. Let me see that a minute. Isaiah 119. I think it says, I think it's the New Living Translation. It says, if you'll only let me help you, I think that's what it is. I don't have it written down in this particular translation, but I know what it is. It's if you'll only let me help you, if you'll only obey, I'll make you rich. I like if you'll only let me help you, but then he had, if you'll only obey. You know, years ago, Kenneth E. Hagin, uh, who's gone home to be with the Lord now, said that uh, the Lord was impressing upon him one time that there was something that he was supposed to do and he wasn't doing it. And he said, uh, the Lord, he said, well, I've done that. And the Lord says, yeah, but you haven't been willing. He was obedient, but he wasn't willing. Do you know you can do things in obedience but not have a willing heart in doing it? It's almost like you're fighting and scratching as you're doing it. You know you're supposed to do it, so you do it, but, you, but your heart isn't right about it. And he said that when, when the Lord corrected him on that, he says, I just looked down on the inside, and I just quickly made an adjustment on the inside. and says, I'm willing now, Lord. And you know you can do it that quick. We can do it that fast. We can be that willing that fast. But see, what, what John is saying here, above all things, I pray that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, we looked last week when, we, when we closed up at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. The prophet wrote, and really it's God speaking through Jeremiah, God talking to us through the prophet See, I have this day set over the nations and over the kingdoms 
to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, in this verse, what God was doing was revealing a process to Jeremiah. He was telling him both negative and positive events take place to complete the process of change so that you can move to a higher realm of lending. But notice some of the events that's going to require, be required of us for this process of change to take place. He says there's some things that he mentions. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to plant, and to build. See, we can't move up to a new level of, of living sometimes because there's some old things that are there. There's some things that we have to root out. There's some things that we have to pull down. But then in turn, if we root some things out or pull some things down, then there's some planting that needs to be done. There's some building that's going to have to be taking place in our life. Go with me to Ephesians a minute. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look what Paul had to say about this. Now, as we said many times, as you've heard many times, as far as the kingdom's concerned, there's always the Godward side and there's the manward side. And I think pretty well, we, all of us pretty well know what, what God's already done for us through uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the redemption that, that's been made available to the inheritance that, that we have in Christ. See, a truly prosperous soul is a soul that's going to be one of faith and not unbelief. And really, Bible faith really requires action. You and I being a doer of the Word, as we seen last week when we looked at James, being a doer of the Word. And I like what, what James said uh, in verse 25. He says, He that continues therein, being a doer of the work. It's work to be a doer sometimes. But being a doer of the work, notice, that man or woman, what is blessed in his deed. So we want the blessing. Well, it's going to come from being a doer. Now, here in Ephesians chapter 4, let's just begin at verse 20. Verse 20. We wanted to take a look at verse uh, 21, 22, but let's look at verse 20 first. But you have not so learned Christ. I remember years ago, I think it probably was maybe in the early 80s, Kenneth Copeland, probably all of you have heard of Kenneth Copeland, he's on TV and been in ministry now probably, I don't know, gosh, probably close to 40 years. But he got a revelation from God on the word Christ. And, of course, if you look it up in Isaiah, Christ or Messiah, really the Messiah is the Old Testament word for Christ, but Christ is really the anointed one and his anointing. And what the Lord showed Kenneth Copeland back then when that revelation came to him, and really it was a revelation because Kenneth Copeland functions in the office of the prophet. So it was a revelation that he gave to the prophet, what? For the body of Christ. So all of us could begin to learn to walk in that. And what the Lord showed him is that in the New Testament, whenever you see the word Christ, he says, meditate and interpret it. In essence, when you see the word Christ, say, the anointed one in his anointing. Now, do that in light of this verse we just read. And look what it says here. I think this is so interesting. He says, you have not so learned... Christ, or we could word it this way, you've not learned yet about the anointed one in the anointing. That's really what it says. You haven't learned about the burden-removing power that's in the Word, that's in Christ himself. But now, now, now he's going to tell us something. Now he's showing us something here about the anointing. 
If so, that you have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now notice verse 22. That you, not your spouse, not Pastor John, no, who you, me, individually, we do this now, that you, notice, put off concerning the former conversation, or really lifestyle, that's what conversation means, lifestyle, that you put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You could say attitude. I think the Amplified, we'll look at the Amplified in a moment, but I think it might even say attitude. Verse 24, and that you, now notice again, you're going to do something. You're going to put something off, but as soon as you put something off, you're going to replace that. Notice verse 24 then, and you put on the new man. Now, let's stop right there a minute and explain something. You understand this, but let's, let's reaffirm this. Now understand, he's talking about something that you and I are going to have to do more in the soulish realm. Because God already took care of the spiritual side. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that when you accept Christ, you become a new person in Christ Jesus. What? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Meaning, spiritually, you are a brand new person in Christ now. Spiritually, if you die, you're going right into heaven. Because why? When you become a brand new person in Christ, you just got translated or transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Or we could say you're now a citizen of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees and Sadducees asked Jesus when the kingdom was going to come. In essence, he says, well, it's not going to come by observation. No, he says, the kingdom will be in you. Now, that was in Matthew. That was in the Gospels. That's before Jesus left. Guess what? He is in you now. Or we can't even say, you're in him. Or you're in the kingdom. So when Paul's talking here, Paul's talking about something you and I are going to do in the soulish realm and really saying the same thing that John said. I pray more than anything else, above all things, that you be in health and that you have wealth according to the prospering or renewing of your mind or as your soul prospers. So what he's saying here is you and I are going to have to put off some things. We're going to have to renew our mind to some things. We're going to have to change our attitudes. We're going to have to change our actions. This is what the Amplified says here. I like verse 20 again. It says, but you did not so learn Christ. I, I think it's the living. It says, there's some things you just didn't understand. See, what he's really saying here, you can put these things off and you can put these things on because the anointing's present. It's learning, what he say here in, in, in Matthew? It's learning the unforced rhythms of grace. We take the step or the action of faith, and when we take the step or action of faith to put off and put on, then he's able to pour out the grace. The anointing is present so that the grace of God, his power and his ability to do what needs to be done automatically is present so you can do it. Because you don't do it in your power. You don't do it in your ability. You humble yourself to him. You humble yourself. This is what your word says, Lord. Then I'll do it. That's humility. That's real Bible humility is when you will humble yourself to be a doer of what the word says, whether you understand it or not, or whether you agree with it or not. And there's a lot sometimes I don't agree with. But we have to humble ourselves 
according to the Word and do it. He goes on in the Amplified, it says, Assuming that you have really heard Him and been taught by Him, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied and personified in Him, strip yourselves of your former, former nature. Put off and disregard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Then verse 24, And put on the new nature, the regenerate self, created in God's image, godlike in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul's telling us here, we're going to have to put off and put on. Now listen to how this is worded in the message paraphrase. The message reads this way on these verses. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Therefore, get rid of it. Then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct. Now listen, as God accurately reproduces His character in you. Oh, isn't that good? He's accurately reproducing His character in us. Because see, really, Ephesians chapter 5, and of course Ephesians again, another verse, another chapter, same writer, same Paul. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, imitate Christ. I think it's the message of that says, copycat. Be a copycat. You know, you've ever, you've had children, maybe grandchildren. You've ever seen them that they'll imitate their parents. You know, sometimes you'll see a child and say, well, well where did he learn that? Well, where do you think he learned that? <laughs> I, wonder, well, I wonder where he picked that up when he says something. Where do you think he heard that? No, they're just copying you. They're imitating you. That's what he's saying here. If we put off the... If we'll make some steps, we'll make some adjustments with our attitude. I'm going to live like Christ. I'm going to walk like Christ. I'm going to act like Him. That's a step of faith when we make that. In fact, look at this. I, I thought about this this morning. You know this scripture. Hold your praise here. Now, we're actually going to go to Colossians next. But look at what Job... Job chapter... You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. It's out of the Amplified. But again, I think it's so good. Sometimes uh, the areas with the, uh, with the thought process, the areas of the soulish realm, we forget. God took care of the spiritual things. He recreated us in Christ Jesus. But the other realm, the other two realms, really. Remember, you're a spirit, you have a soul, your mind, intellect, war, and the emotions, and you live in a physical body. The body things in the soulish realms, unfortunately, we have to deal with those. We've, now, with His grace and His help, of course. But our will's involved. That's really what the soul is. Mind, intellect, will, and emotions. Our will's involved in this. Now, look what it says here in Job, in verse 20, uh, Job chapter 22, verse 28. This is out of the Amplified. Job chapter 22, verse 28. Job says, now again, look, I, I like this. You. <laughs> not me. Not Bob. Not Nancy. Not your spouse. Not your grandmother. No, you. Look what he says here. You shall also 
decide. So deciding is your will. It begins with a decision. But notice the next step. You shall decide what and decree. That means you're going to have to speak something. That's faith in action right there. You shall decide and decree a thing. Now notice, once you make the decision, once you say it. Now you know this can be positive or negative. But notice the next verse or the next, the next uh, portion here. And it shall be established. Glory to God. Now that can be good or bad. <laughs> but we're looking at the positive side, right? Amen. We're renewing our minds to things. Notice, you decide and decree a thing and it shall be established. And look what happens from God's standpoint now. Once you've established something, it shall be established for you. Now notice, once it's established, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Glory to God. See, really, all you have to do is make a decision about something. You say it with your mouth. And glory to God. God says, oh, it's established. And all of a sudden, by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, you've got favor with Him, and He'll begin to lead you how to make those changes. That's where the grace of God comes in. That's where the power of God comes in. We make the decision. We decide it. We establish it. Once, or, or decree it. Once we decree it, in His eyes, it's been established. And now, immediately, the light of God's favor is upon you, and He's going to guide you, and He's going to direct you how to bring this thing to pass. I remember uh, uh, we just came back from a Keith Moore meeting a couple of weeks ago, but uh, years ago uh, I heard Keith um, make this statement or, or was talking in the area. Of, and, of course, again, Third John 2 says, Above all things, what? That thou mayest prosper and be in health. Or that may, may, be, uh, may be in health and, and wealth, really, according to how that soul prospers. He was having some, uh, been in ministry for, for a number of years, but was having some fi problems financially and just couldn't seem to get ahead financially. And he says, I taught prosperity. I taught on what the Scripture said about prosperity. But we just weren't getting ahead. In fact, we had bills and we had debts. And we didn't have taking place in our life what the Bible says belonged to us. And he says that he came home one day and, and uh, he just, just fell over his bed and he just cried out to God and said, God, I, I don't understand it. I don't know what we're doing wrong. But he says, I know it. it's not you. Get that? There's the Godward side and the manward. He says, I know it's not you, it's me. He cried out to God. You know what the Scripture says? Call unto me and what? And I will answer thee. He says, that day, he says, I cried out to God. He says, God, he says, I just repent. And I'm just asking you, Lord, begin to direct me. Connect me with whoever you have to connect me. Do whatever you have to do to get me in a position so that I can hear from you, so that I can begin to learn from you what steps I've got to take to get out of this situation. Now, he says that when he got up out of that bed, off that bed, and he walked out of that room, he knew in his heart something changed. Now, listen to what he said. Over the next five years, not next five minutes, not the next five days. Over the next five years, God began training us and showing us what steps we needed to take to overcome that and get out of that situation. Now, some things God showed them immediately that they weren't doing. 
They weren't tithing, for one thing. Not all the time. You've got to tithe all the time. Now, we won't go over that. Some people get a little squirrely when you get talking about tithing. But You need to get squirrely, but you need to hear about tithing. But we're not going to do that today. That's not our purpose. Whole point, though. Notice what, really what happened. What happened in there? He made a decision that day. He decreed something. And as soon as he decreed it, as soon as he cried out to God, God's way was established. God's light and favor showed upon, shined upon him. And he showed him a path. Took some time, but showed him a path how to walk out of that. I believe God's showing us paths. Glory to God. In the area of finances, in the area of healing, in the area of far as direction for our lives, what he's called us to do. He's going to show us the way out. Glory to God. And it's because of, really, you've not so learned Christ, but now you have learned Christ. It's because of the anointing. It's because of the grace of God that he's doing these things. Let's go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Let's see what Paul... Now, you know, first Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Let's see what Paul says here to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse uh, 8. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. Now let's just look at verse 1. We'll just start right at verse 1 and come on down to verse 8. If ye then being risen with Christ. And we need to start there because that's where we are. Seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now notice he's saying, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall he also appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleansiness, inordinate affection, evil consciousness, covetousness, which is idolatry, for, the, for which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, for in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. Now notice verse 8. But now also, you also put off all these, now notice, he's telling us there's some things we're going to have to do. This is that old lifestyle, that old unregenerate self. Anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy. Look at verse 9. Lie not to one another. See that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now look at verse 10. And put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Listen to this out of the message. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But now you know better. So make sure it's all gone for good. A bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom-made by the Creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religion and irreligion, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, mean and nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. But I like that little phrase. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator. And you know, it's an individual thing. Bob over here might have some things in his life that he has to put on. 
Nancy might have some different things that she has to put off and put on. Sandy might have the same thing. We all have different things we have to put off and put on. Don't be looking across the fence or across the room at your neighbor, your brother, your sister, and trying to help them do what they need to do. No, you just take care of yourself because God's dealing with all of us in different things. He knows. He knows what things should be at the top of everybody's list, the priority stuff. He knows. And it's as we spend time with him. It's as we yield to him. Now, let's go over to, uh, I think it's Second Peter a minute. Let's just look at this. This just kind of comes to me, but let's look at this. Chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Notice in verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now notice what? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Really is almost very similar to what John was saying. I pray above all things. Remember what he said? I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Really, he's saying here, and how, of course, how is that done? By grace, but by renewing the mind. Here he's saying here, grace and peace is multiplied in you through the knowledge of God. The more knowledge of his word. Now, understand something. It's just not the knowledge of it. It's having the wisdom of God to also apply that knowledge. We do have a, a little problem there in the body of Christ as a whole. I deal with it, is that sometimes we hear so much word, we have so much knowledge. And James even said in James chapter 1 that if you're not a doer of the word, you deceive yourself. The knowledge is great. We need the knowledge. Let's just make sure we're doing the knowledge that we have or doing the word that we've heard, that we're a doer of it. He goes on, he says, verse 3, according as his divine power, now notice, hath, it's a past tense word, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So again, we can see really from the Scriptures, everything that we need, healing, this is what we're talking about today, this is healing service. Healing has already been made available to you and I. It's really getting under that spout where His grace is poured out. Getting under that spout. Learning for you and I, how do I receive that, Lord? What adjustments do I make? What changes do I have to make? I know you've already done it. I know it all. He says right here, notice, His divine power hath given unto us. So we can go right here to Peter and we can say, Father, I can see from your word everything that pertains to life and godliness. And of course that includes healing. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, you've already given it to me. You've already made it available to me. So, Lord, just show me what things I must do. What adjustments must I make? Am I not walking in love to the degree? You know, we, I don't know if we have a revelation yet of, of the love of God that we need to. I mean, I know we know it, but do we know it, I guess? And I don't think any of us will really know it until we look right into his face and we see him. We are getting a greater understanding of that. But notice then in verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these, these promises, notice, that you might be a partaker, now notice this, of the divine nature. Of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption 
in the world through lust. Now notice so, and besides this, verse 5, giving all diligence, notice, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren, notice, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's really seeing here, where we can be seeing in verses 5 and 6 and 7 again, some other things that we need to be sure that we, we check up on ourselves. Are we putting these things on? Putting off those old things, those old attitudes, that, those old actions that we've had. I think every one of us, every one of us need to, you know, he tells us over in Corinthians that we need to examine ourselves. And I think sometimes that, you know, we get so focused again on, on what you're believing God for that sometimes we fail to examine, now wait a minute, what are my actions? How am I thinking? How am I talking? How am I acting? Father, is that the way you would act? Is that the way Jesus would act? Am I imitating Christ? If I'm not imitating Christ, then wait a minute, Lord, forgive me for that. I'm going to decide some things here. I'm going to decree some things so some things can be established. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just sense in my heart, every head bowed just a minute. If there's anybody here this morning, normally we don't lay hands on a lot. I just sense in my heart this morning, know that if there's anybody here that... that you just need hands laid on you for healing this morning. I just want to pray with you. I just want to see if there is anybody. If there is anybody that wants hands laid on them this morning, just raise up your hands so I know how many there are. Thank you. Thank you. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you. Just, let's just take a few moments. Let's just examine our hearts a minute. If there's anything maybe that the, that the Holy Spirit maybe has quickened to you this morning, Maybe he's brought something to your mind this morning. You know, Lord, I, I do need to make some adjustments in that area. Oh, his grace, his mercy, his mercy endures forever. Glory to God. You know, the, the price for sin, the price, the, the penalty, has already been paid by the Lord Jesus. He bore it, you don't need to, so it's already taken care of. So just forgive yourself this morning. Glory to God, just forgive yourselves this morning. And understand something. He loves you so much. If he, think about it, if the Father freely gave his Son, wouldn't he give you everything else? And the answer to that is absolutely he would. Healing, whatever it is you need this morning, it's already available to you. So just this morning, as, as I have you come up here this morning, just come up with a receiving heart. Come up with an attitude, Father, Jesus provided that for me. You know, you might say, you might be thinking, well, you know what, I really don't deserve it. Guess what? None of us do. It's not about deserving, and it's about receiving a free gift because it's, by, it's just like salvation, just like being born again. In fact, it's part of the package of being born again. You just receive it because of His mercy, but really, you receive it by faith through grace. But just make that quality decision today that when you walk out of here, you are different. You're making some decisions. Decree some things today between you and Him. And I promise you, His Word says His ways are established. Everything that you need today, 
You may not receive at this moment, but I promise you, I promise you, according to the Word of God, it's been established, and He'll lead you into that right path to receive absolutely everything that you need. Everything. The Word of God says when hands are laid upon the sick, they what? They shall recover. So when hands are laid upon you this morning, walk away from here with the attitude, I have it, it's mine now. Whether you feel like it or not, it's yours. And the healing power of God is working. And it will continue to work until it comes to full manifestation in your body. Glory to God. So those that that would like to have hands laid upon them, if you just come, come down here. I know we don't have any music. We don't need that. Everybody else, you can just, if you want to quietly maybe pray in the Holy Ghost, but just stay in an attitude of worship. Just hook yourself up with those that are coming forward. Just come on down here, and we'll just pray with you this morning. Go.
We just thank you, Father. We're not moved, Father, by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. Father, we're only moved by your word and by your spirit, Father. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Teach us, Holy Spirit. Teach us to learn the unforced rhythms of your grace. Oh, Father, thank you for your grace, Father. We give you praise. I thank you, Father, for your healing power flowing in every one of these this morning that hands were laid upon everyone in this room, Father. Whether that's physical healing, whether that's emotional healing, Father. But it's because of your grace, Father. They've received it. And Satan, I bind the powers of you, darkness now in Jesus' name. You have no place. You are defeated in the name of Jesus. And I command you to loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. Now, I just encourage you today, everybody here. Remember, the enemy only left Jesus for a season. He came back. But he is defeated. And you have the anointed one and the anointing in you and upon you. So exercise your rights and privileges in Christ. Because greater is he that's in you than the devil. Greater is he that's in you than any sickness or disease, any lies of the enemy. No, you decree. You decree these things. Glory to God and they shall be established. And God's light and His favor will shine upon your ways in Jesus' name. Father, we thank You today. We go our way rejoicing, Father. Thank You in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, thank You. God bless you. Thank You, Jesus.